At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Hello, welcome to Oral Hygiene. It's a podcast where we look at educational and caught films. Uh, this is Matt talking to you. Soon Luke will talk to you. I am Luke. <clears throat> See, I thought you were just going to do the sound and stop. No, I don't do that until you're not expecting it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it. I just, okay, I was expecting it. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, today's film, did you learn anything from it? Is it educational? Yeah, yeah. Because this is the source, it seems like, the origin point of the exact humor my generation was obsessed with. Which is kind of why I was showing it to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Don Hertzfeld's Rejected. Yes. Uh, originally from 2000. See, my experience with this, um, you know, it was several years before YouTube, so you're your geeky buddies would show up with it on like a flash drive or something. Yep. Or we knew a couple of websites for this thing. So were you a Newgrounds guy? Uh, no, I don't think so. So Newgrounds.com was the site which hosted flash animations and flash games. Ah. Um, and yeah, before YouTube, that was what me and my friends were always on. And we were always sending each other links to, and it was animations of this kind of humor or just, extremely violent stuff <laughs> yeah this is the one that came my way because uh you know we'd uh i'll get a little wrecked and some would throw this on the computer and we'd giggle for five hours after <laughs> yep and then a little bit later my friend colin was he was the king of sourcing weird stuff like this that you've never heard of <laughs> so he got me on like xavier renegade angel and stuff yeah yeah now of course in here it's uh, basically line drawings stick figures yeah Still a lot of, like, creativity and things, so, you know, if that sounds horrible, don't don't get us wrong. There, it, it does push the boundaries of what you can do with stick figures, I would say. Um, th- there was a lot of stuff doing exactly that yeah. when I was watching these internet animations. <laughs> would you like to give the rundown of this one for your, the TV Guide synopsis? It's, a, it's on the a, Family Learning Channel, of course. It's a series of short animations ostensibly created as between-episode segments for the Family Learning Channel or later commercials for a line of food products. Um, but that is just a, vo- a vehicle for which to deliver very surreal, absolute post-humor humor, um, building up to your typical, um, like, what's the word? I forgot the name. Too Many Cooks style, it all goes very dark and surreal at the very end. Yeah, there's definitely a through line to Too Many Cooks, which... Uh Kind of started thinking about uh, yeah while watching it this well, there's time. There's one. There's one that Adult Swim's about to launch, which is like, like a series length version essentially of Too Many Cooks, mm. um, where this created character who's from like a Sesame Street type thing, um, created for the show, but meets a bunch of actual like Hanna Barbera properties and stuff. <laughs> they bump into like Scooby Doo, <clears throat> Muppet Babies, and all this sort of stuff. While, like, some sort of force, so, you know, exact, basically, they're taking that concept and they're making it the plot of an actual, like, long-running series. There's a 
A lot of lawsuits, I guess, in Pippi, here. Pippi, I think it's called. Ah. Well, I assume this one is they've, they've got the rights. <laughs> because it's just a bunch of, like, old, out-of-print TV shows they're using. So. Yeah, I guess that is the adult swim template, because we yeah. take this crappy old, like, uh, underwater show and... Just, just redub it to a comedy, yeah. Bump it up a, <laughs> a, a year, and uh, everyone's gone C-mad yep. <laughs> for C-lab, right, so... Um, but yeah, I guess this is this was my introduction to that kind of humor. Because what well, well, was the funny thing before this? I guess we still thought Austin Powers was funny before this. <laughs> <laughs> As if, uh, this I had I don't think I'd seen this, though the very first bit that my spoon is too big, I definitely heard kids quoting. Mm. Someone had seen it, but I was watching like Salad Fingers, um, all the stuff on Weebles, Weebles stuff, uh, various things on Newgrounds, and then later it would have been College Humor. Um, so yeah, I was watching. Uh, the Mighty Boosh would have been around this time. That's one that had made at least a few inroads. I, I don't remember seeing much of it, but I remember the name banding about. Yeah, so this this was just a period where the height of comedy was quote unquote random <laughs> and surreal and weird. But it was just like a lot of people attempted it. Mm. But there is an art to this kind of surreal humor, right? Right. There's like a sort of wit to your witlessness. Which a lot of people don't get an attempt. Uh, well, that's why, like, um, the one you like, the sketch show. There's lots of Mr. Show. No. Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Yeah. Tim and Eric works because although it is very weird, there's an art to their weird. Yes. Are, there is, like, something about it. This one has a nice, um, you know, like, you, the, the funniest thing here, or most disturbing thing, is thinking behind the scenes of this guy who's trying to create and going completely mad. Well, yeah, there's, there's like a meta-narrative to this. This isn't just the weird sketches, right? So, like, the joke is that these things have no joke. Right. Whereas later on, people were just making that kind of humor, and that was the humor. Like, <laughs> like the thing here is you're supposed to be watching the, the mental breakdown of the, uh, yeah. of the guy making it. Right. Which, I mean, you know, in the creative process, you try and make things, especially when you do it professionally. You know, there's just an uh, entertainment. There's you know, so many roadblocks. Mm. You know, uh, one person's vision just turned, gets completely twisted and weirded away. There's a thing recently, I haven't played it yet, I want to, called The Beginner's Guide, which is a game where, theoretically, you're visiting all these unfinished products, projects by this indie game developer. Mm. And apparently that, I think that presumably does this kind of thing. Yeah. Telling the story of a creator through a bunch of fake creations. <laughs> when this came out, I guess the big story would be, um, not the big story, but the thing that would have been on people's minds along those lines was uh, Ren and Stimpy. Mm. I, I cannot remember the creator's name, and, and he might have been fired for good reason. I don't even know that, but it seemed he was a little unhinged. But uh, yeah, he made the first season. You mm. know, it was fantastic. It was weird. It still is pretty funny. It, it is this kind of post-humor. And... Um, Something about him, which I guess you're looking up on there. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my auntie was really into the Brennan Stimpy. I remember that much. Um, it was a bit too unpleasant to look at for <laughs> me at that age to enjoy. Yeah, ninety one Brennan Stimpy started. Wow. Yeah, it's earlier than I thought. But the creator only did the first season of the show, mm. and uh, and it, it does get more milk toast once he's gone. So, Canadian animator John. Crick Falusi? That's why I couldn't remember his name. Known professionally as John Kay, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> From 1989 to 1992, he's heavily involved with the first two seasons of the show, 
in virtually every aspect of its production. Okay, we need the big reveal of exactly... I'm looking for the... Here we go. I was looking for the Wikipedia title that said controversy. <laughs> I'll do you one better. There's a Wikipedia title that says sexual abuse allegations. Aye. <laughs> so let's just not click it and move on. Okay, as I said, I, there might have been a, like, a real legit reason. <laughs> well, yeah, the other thing around the same time is um, Earthworm Jim, right? And, yeah, Doug Tonapel, it turned out, is just like a huge homophobic piece of shit. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess you, sometimes you have to consider where do you draw the line between the creator and, you know, and what they've made. Right. I, I always would say for rock bands or whatever, yeah, yeah, I love the music. I probably don't want them in my kitchen, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like um, a big one for me is I, I am quite a big fan of Lovecraft, right? Yeah. And if Lovecraft were alive today and putting out this shit, I wouldn't want to read it because he's a horrible <laughs> racist, right? But he was dead in a pauper's grave 60 years before I was born. Yeah. So I don't really feel that worried about reading his stuff. Whereas, like, yeah, if I buy a new Harry Potter product right now, I'm giving money to J.K. Rowling, <laughs> so I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, this this uses Beethoven's nice just for funsies, right? The uh, the intro mm. to make it sound real dramatic, and you know, Beethoven is going to be a piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> he didn't get along with people. He like screwed up his nephew's life by being overbearing. You mm. know, I mean, he's a guy that probably would not have a wonderful public persona these days. But there's also, there's a difference between, like, just as a bit of a shitty person <laughs> and, like, holds particularly abhorrent views mm. because you have to assume they're in the art somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're a music and you just happen to be, like, a bit of an antisocial dick, maybe that's why you make good music, right? Because that's how you're communicating mm. with the world. But if you make music and it's like, oh, you're into, like, you know, diddling kiddies... Mm. then maybe there's a reason all of your love songs are about, like, younger women or something. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we mentioned down here on the, you know, the, the Lost Prophets thing, which, honestly, I didn't like that music in the first place, so, you know, it wasn't like I had to stop liking them. Uh, Marilyn Manson, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I didn't like Marilyn Manson to start with. Right. So it doesn't, like, burn my world down. But, I mean, yeah, eventually there's going to... Okay, uh, there is there's a guy... Yes, yes, yes. Um, Mark... Mark Kozlek, I think, he did the Red House Painters, he did Sun Kill Moon, and in the past few years he's come out to be a pretty reprehensible, you know, like, rapey dude. I'd never even heard of that guy. So yes, yeah. indie rock. Good stuff, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, now I'm like, do I want to listen to these albums? I like them, but yeah, this but guy it, seems pretty shitty. It gets more complicated if you're dealing with, like, a film or a mm. game where it's made by, like, 2,000 people. Right. And, yeah, sure, if one of these guys is a dick, but... When it's a book or a piece of music or a hand-drawn animation, it's just this one guy. So that's very different. Yeah. Well, there's a, a big special coming out, Re Return to Hogwarts, you know, all the actors are coming back. David Yates, you know, I think Chris Columbus might make an appearance. Guess who's not making an appearance? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the actors of those movies are not really cool with her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can celebrate this thing that, yeah, 2,000 of us did, like, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. But, uh, well, I think a lot of them have come out with statements of like, hey, if you took some actual meaning from Harry Potter and it helped you in maybe in a trans journey, <laughs> you know, J.K. Rowling can't take that away from you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I know a lot of people who still have a lot of love for those books and it is something they're having to think about. Because, yeah, yeah, same here. Cause she's I, an awful turf. <laughs> I, I like the books. I like the movies. I, I, I didn't think I'd like Harry Potter, but I ended up liking her, right? So, uh, not her, excuse me. I, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, you get what we were getting at. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like I still like that stuff, but yeah, it, but 
But then you also, you do read it and you're like, oh, the banks are run by little hook-nosed caricatures. Hmm. It's been quite a while since I read the book, <laughs> like, to be honest. There, there are a few little things where you're like, Hmm. <laughs> but even, you know, we were both pretty ardent Trekkies, and you still have, like, the Ferengi, right? Yep, yep, yep. And then you have someone like Armin Shimmerman, like, making that role, like, fantastic on these Space Nine. But yeah. still, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, hand-rubbing early TNG Ferengi are pretty different. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So at least they kind of, but I don't know how Discovery plays, in like, in the future, but... You know, even later DS9, Quark's still thinking about the bottom line quite a bit. Yeah. That's still his M.O. But we, we right, get... but, like, uh, um, I'm currently reading Shogun. And a big thing in that is, like, the samurai are really offended by the British guys. Because in Europe at that time, power was gold. Mm. So they're like, oh, why are these guys obsessed with profit? There's no honor in that. <laughs> and it's just because, you know, in their society, that is how power is represented. Gold press latinum. Yeah. So I don't know much about Don Hertzfeld, so I, I'm not sure what kind of dude he is. He, I was wondering, as we were watching it, I was wondering if he's even a real dude. <laughs> or if he's just a character for this. I, there are other films. listed him a couple times, so I'm assuming he is. Yeah, this yeah, is his not picture his, comes up. This is not his only animation. American animator Don Hertzfeld. Three years older than you. Right. You know, because I just came in like, this, this was 2001 or two when I would have seen it, so it's a time when you didn't really... Look back at look too deeply into the creators unless you're buying like you know fanzine magazines yep. or something. Two-time Academy Award nominee. Never a winner. Twenty fourteen, his work appeared on The Simpsons. So at least he's a, a. He's the only filmmaker to have won the Sundance Film Festival's Grand Jury Prize for short film twice. No, oh, okay. These are all like. Almost impressive. Facts. <laughs> he's, he's almost impressive, which is kind of where this film is anyway, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's the part of the conceit of this film. Like, it's almost impressive because there's imaginative animation, the crinkly paper, but it's all stick figures. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like, yeah, he's done... Well, um... Rejected was pretty early in his career. Because, mm. yeah, I guess he would only have been, like, 25... Something like in that. In 2000. So, yeah. yeah. It's apparently it was right after uni. Right. So, um, I was, yeah, it was, I kind of realized watching it this time, because it's been a few years since I saw it, that my weird weather drawings and, and my teaching, uh, I think did start off as the Hertzfeld cloud things mm. and slowly morphed into more bizarre things. But I, that seems enviable of the, uh, sort of the purview of this, of this movie short film anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. He has, um, I was just reading, apparently he was getting offers to do commercials. Mm. And that was, he thought about actually just doing this, deliberately giving them the worst things he could make and running off with the money. Would that have been better? <laughs> to see if they get aired. <laughs> Would that have been better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A Japanese commercial seemed to go by that MO. <laughs> <laughs> what about, sometimes Japanese commercials have the most breathtaking animation you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's just telling me to buy some noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Good noodles, man. <laughs> I remember when I first moved over here, there were these McDonald's adverts running. It was for joining McDonald's, like as a member of staff. Ah. But it was like this really beautifully shot, like, lesbian love story <laughs> about this McDonald's employee falling in love with her manager or something. Like, this is beautiful. It makes me want to work at McDonald's. <laughs> well, it served its purpose. I guess so. Did this make you want to buy, like, bean mulch? <laughs> I don't like fish sticks. I don't imagine I would like bean mulch. 
I guess it made me want to watch the Family Learning Channel. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we're trying, I think we're both consciously trying not to do is just sit here and repeat jokes, because you should watch the thing and see the jokes, because... I mean, the, the surrealist jokes, it's, they're usually, you, you, you will laugh out loud a few times without us having to reiterate them. Yeah, uh, to be fair, there's not like a bunch of lines that are sticking in my head. There's, other than my anus is bleeding. Yeah, but, as well, say, that's kind of the tagline of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, my spoon is too big, as you said, you, you heard from other places. And I regularly say to my wife, although she's seen this, so she knows where I'm coming from, so. Okay. <laughs> It's not qu- I'm not being you quite that. in your pickup line. Hey, baby, my spoon is too big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, exactly. That was my pickup line. <laughs> you just went up said that to every girl in the bar until one of them replied with, I am a banana. <laughs> you knew they were your soulmate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, so, that, so Hertzfeld is giving you, like, love advice, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, note to all our listeners. Sharing one interest does not mean you will get on with a person. Sharing lots of interests doesn't mean you'll get along with a person. Yeah, true. Um, I remember one of my most failed romances was, was when I met the girl that was interested in all the same things I was. And it became, yeah, I got bored really quick. <laughs> <laughs> so. If, okay, here's some actual dating tips. Find the person who makes you feel interested in something you weren't interested in before. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess that works. Yeah. If she talks about something you did not care about at all, and you're like, I suddenly care, that's probably a good sign. That's what Jack Nicholson had, had to say in As Good As It Gets, right? To, to show he was sincere in the end. Mm. Make me want to be a better man. Right? <laughs> or at least have a new interest, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Um, well, so, okay. There is no better man than me. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be a better... You're confusing better with best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to be best man. Wait, no, that doesn't work either. <laughs> What, what, what hey, it? I want to be best man at your wedding to another guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make friends with him, I guess. <laughs> then I want to bang you. <laughs> That's not a good pickup line. Well, hey. <laughs> the line in Casino Royale is like, you're not my type. And she's like, well, what, smart? He goes, single. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the, uh, what is your post- Millennial post humor and post millennial doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, okay. The thing we're pretty post millennial now. Yeah, we're pretty post millennial now. What what is your gold standard for bizarro comedy? Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that, and I'm trying to think of one because you put me on the spot. Well, I just wonder if too many but cooks like, is that because we already mentioned too many it. cooks might be up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, for me, it's all like super obscure, just like vines. Yeah. Right. It's like that's the thing. I have zero interest in any mainstream comedy comedy at this point. Mm. Um, even Adult Swim feels a bit mainstream to me sometimes. Yeah. I guess latter-day Stuart Lee. Do you know Stuart Lee? I do not. He's a British stand-up comedian who's never been particularly successful because he's just, like, aggressively anti-comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he'll have just, like, a bit that goes on for way too long. You have to know, like, some obscure facts about history to get it. And he's constantly berating his audience for not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's, I, yeah, he's great. I love him. But it's like, he ruins other comedy for you. Because <laughs> every now and then he'll do like a really normal stand-up bit and be like, see, I can do jokes. I choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole Andy Kaufman thing where he'd make like take a year to do a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones he does. About halfway through the, the routine, he goes like, see, those guys up in the audience, they're probably thinking like, oh, this will probably end soon. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Has this kind of comedy ever translated to something a little more feature length? Um, I don't think it ever has successfully. Okay. There was that spell, right, where it was all... Um, well, they're making all the parody movies, right? The scary movies and the... I feel like some of them probably tried to go into, like, some random... I'd, I'd already been burned by Repossessed in the late 80s. I never got on that wagon. Mm. <laughs> well, actually, now that I think about it, they all went for very standard jokes. They weren't really... Yeah, we're just sitting here. Like, I, I, again, I maybe saw the first scary movie, but I'm like, I don't remember it doing too much of that. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it doesn't work in a feature-length format, So, which is why we're talking about it in a 10-minute uh, burst of weirdness. There definitely is something, and I'm forgetting it, right? Yeah. But I guess, yeah. Because after a while, it's not funny anymore until there suddenly is again, like an hour in. <laughs> I can't think what the example is. It definitely exists. I, it's not a feature length of this, but I kind of feel like the Lego movie managed to hit a few of those. Uh, yeah, but it was also had a lot of very standard jokes. It right? had a lot of standard jokes too, but definitely had a few. And got a few more in with the second one, but then the second one wasn't that good. I still haven't seen it. The second one? Yeah. I start, actually, I, I, to be honest, I have not seen the whole thing. I just kind of stopped watching it. So that's why I'm saying it wasn't that good. I, I might have, like, you know, not gotten to the point where it became amazing. I don't know. But, uh, mm. <laughs> but yeah, it gets back to where you're, like, saying, no, I can't watch comedies anymore because... Man, I, I'm sitting here thinking, what's the last comedy I watched? I watched Cobra Kai, but that's a dramedy, really, so. Yeah, like, the stuff that really makes me just, like, wet myself land, laughing, it is it is going to be, I watch, like, a compilation of really weird vines. Yeah. It's like, never, like, a feature-length film. Yeah, because my, my wife got pissed off at me because I laughed at Tim and Eric's Puss Whip Bang Gang sketch for, like, <laughs> two weeks straight. Right. <laughs> but, that, again, that's a minute of footage. Have so, they tried to make like a, of like those guys made a film? Tim and Eric. Yeah. I think they did, but it sucked. Okay. And uh, same with the. Um, did, uh, did the Lonely Island manage with Popstar or? or oh, uh, but no. But again, that's that is just funny, funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think this kind of post comedy only works up to a certain length. Right, and nothing's funny anymore. That's what you did post comedy. <laughs> Everything not funny. Now we have to live serious doll lives. Well, the, the funniest stuff at the moment. I don't, I don't think it is that comedy's been ruined by post-comedy. It's just that the comedies being made are not very funny. Yeah, that probably <laughs> is uh, an issue I, I, too. There was like that period where the three Hangover films were considered the height of comedy. <laughs> I had zero laughs throughout those whole films. Yeah, we did crap films. We didn't have an hour of time, but and, and I guess I'll probably make somebody watch it soon, but I did think about like... Uh, tasking with Duck Soup, you know, the 80-year-old, mm. 70, 90-year-old movie that <laughs> is, I mean, obviously is a touch dated here or there, but the jokes still land. It's still funny. It's still relevant, you know? Right. So I remember, because um, the guy who directed The Hangovers went on to direct Joker. Yeah. And his stick was like, you can't make comedies anymore because, like, you know, the, the liberal bloody... <laughs> I was like, no, you don't make comedies anymore because your films weren't funny. And I had to convince you he made those, too. You, like, wouldn't believe me at first. Because like, he made something that was funny, right? Yeah, Before the he did the Starsky and Hutch and Road Trip in uh, old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's because he just hired funny guys and they made it funny. 
Yeah. And he tried to make films with actors instead. And it's like, yeah, well, they can't just add up all the jokes that you didn't bother to write. <laughs> Talentless cunt. <laughs> well, I guess he could direct okay. He directed the actors to do something funny when they were... And, excuse yeah. me, he directed the comedians to do something funny. Right, he could have directed <laughs> actors to do something funny. Way, the closest the hangover films get to being funny is... Um, Ken Jeong is in there. Right. Just actually being funny. Because yeah. he's a funny guy. Yeah. But like he's, he's like a, a very brief role in the first one. And then they bring him in more and more in the sequels because he's the only funny thing in them. <laughs> I never saw the third one because I heard it was just depressing. It's pretty grim, yeah. I didn't want really to watch a depressing comedy. What I wanted them to do, right, was because the point is always they wake up and they've got a hangover because they did something ridiculous. Third one, they should have woken up and, like, the world had ended. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were just in, like, a Mad Max apocalypse. Like, whoa, is that, is that, is that the world's end? <laughs> But they, yeah, they should have gotten that wild. <laughs> the World's End might be getting close to, like, anti-comedy. Yeah. Because it, it does have jokes. But, like, the biggest laugh is just that, like, the ending is just, like, extremely bleak and ridiculous, right? <laughs> and My favourite thing about that film is not, like, a laugh-out-loud haha joke. <laughs> it's a, I can't believe they're doing this, right? <laughs> that, maybe that is the closest we've come. Yeah. Okay. World's End. I have to watch that again anyway. But, yeah, I think you have to do... If you're doing feature length, you need to have some traditional comedy in there, even if you're, like, you're doing a big meta joke around that. You just splice this in as your accents, basically. Yeah. But they're nice accents, I guess, so... Mm. <coughs> if you actually want to be funny. <laughs> okay. I guess we're done on this one. Yeah. Yeah. We've got more of it than you might expect. Right. This, this is Oral Hygiene. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. I do other podcasts. I'm doing the Twilight Zone with Time Enough podcast, which you can search for that and hear us get into the Twilight Zone sometimes with Luke, sometimes not with Luke. Luke's always around for the uh, Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Yep, Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. You can find that on Twitter at MLSFSPod. Also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where you get podcasts. Um, and if you want to hear more podcasts by me, then you can check out my Pokemon one and my Monster Hunter one. But you can find all of the podcasts we've mentioned in one place by going to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius and if you feel like it from there you can give us however much you want a month to help keep this stuff online and help us keep posting them and maybe you can listen to them early and if you want to hear my voice and watch me play Pokemon uh, you can go to twitch.tv slash lukelovespkmn or you can watch it live at 8pm UK time or you can catch them all later by going to the Twitch or the YouTube and watching the videos on demand okay love you bye this is fun Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. Some thousand bridges. Oh, spreading grit of soils. In the gentle zephyrs. Oh, my. The waves are sinking foil. Of blue moon rains in my flooded plains. Back again Sunflowers in red showers Overland spreading winter soils In marching to zephyrs Oh my, the waves are sinking foil Plumbing depths of perception Beyond the noise 
direction From flowers and rainbows Oh, birds spreading little sounds In one gentle 